Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, creativity, crafting, and life in my northern town. Come back weekly and we'll chat about all the things that I'm working on. My name is Vicki Holloway and welcome to the podcast. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody, even though I may not get this posted until the day after Valentine's Day, which in that case will be happy anniversary to me. Yeah, my husband and I will have been married 33 years on the 15th of February. So we don't do a lot of celebrating for Valentine's Day. I think it's a nice tradition for people. But, you know, anniversary and Valentine's Day celebrations were pretty much non-existent when we were younger. Number one, um, we didn't have a lot of money. And to spend a lot of money on um, going out and chocolates and roses and cards and all that really was what we probably would have spent for groceries for the entire week. So we didn't celebrate a lot that way. But we've always done little things to be kind and to tell each other how much we mean to each other and how much love we have for each other love that word you know it's so hard to capture what it means when you've been married for 33 years it's so much deeper than just saying love you know we met I'm going to tell our little meeting story when I moved to the school on the 45th parallel from a downstate country school I lived out in the country and a farming community and this is a resort and tourist community. Well, I met this goofy guy in the hallway with a pack of friends when I moved to the school when I was 12 years old. And that's how I met my husband. And he has always been very nice to me in school. And it wound up in high school in band class. We sat next to each other. I played an upright acoustic string bass, like an orchestra bass, big violin. And I played that all through school because we didn't have tuba players in the country school I had gone to, but they had a bass. And most schools had a string bass for jazz. And then in the 80s, it was a big deal for a lot of bands to have a string bass player. Um, I wasn't the only school up north who had a band with an orchestra bass in it. Um, it just gives it a little bit different sound. So I sat next to the tubas and who played tuba? But that guy I met in the hallway who wound up being very good friends with me all through school. We just kind of hung out and um, did you know, band trips and sat next to each other and shitty chat and that, but we never really had any romantic or dating aspirations, at least I didn't, until after high school. And he was getting ready to go into the Air Force and I was at college and he kept trying to find me. He kept going up to Lake Superior State Colleges where I, I did one year of school there. And my name was the only one that wasn't in the student directory for some reason. And no one could seem to find me because I was playing off in the orchestras on the weekends. Oh, how funny. Isn't this funny? So he left a message with my mom saying, would you please have her call me? Because I'm going to basic training in the fall and I'm just 
wanting to look up friends and say goodbye basically before I leave and then um you can say the rest is history. I called. He asked if um, we wanted to go out to a dinner and a movie and hang out. And we had known each other for, I don't know, all these years, many, many years, and had been good friends. And within the course of a summer, because, of course, I called him at the end of the college year, we were engaged. We got married the following February. We were planning a June wedding. But basic training ended and his um, superiors in the Air Force said, um, if the Air Force is going to move your wife when you're done, you need to be married 90 days. So we backed up the wedding to President's Day weekend, which in the military was the first time I had heard that in February people got Monday off for President's Day. So we got married on the 15th. Of February over a long weekend. He flew home from his technical school in Colorado. We got married, spent a nice northern Michigan honeymoon, went to Traverse City in Sheboygan, and it was kind of snowy, so it's not like we could do too much. But we had a nice time of meeting friends, family for a very small wedding, and I wanted to just elope. But he wanted to have a church wedding. Isn't that so sweet? So when he left to go back to Colorado, I hung out for a while. I was working and um, had wrapped up my semester at school and didn't take the winter semester at college. I was doing the community college thing. And I told my parents, since Jay and I had bought a car together, um, I had a car and I was married and I was going to pack a bunch of things and just go to Colorado. I had nothing going on here, just waiting for him to end school. And my parents were just, just livid at the thought that a 19-year-old who had hardly ever left northern Michigan and hardly ever left driving off the 45th parallel in small towns was going to drive halfway across the country to Colorado, the, the very big city. And of course, tech school was right downtown Colorado in Denver. So, uh, it was funny is that my mom was just having a fit. So my grandmother, who I was very close to, called me up and she said, you know, I've never seen the Rocky Mountains. I think that you and I should make a trip to Denver and we're going to take my car because I'm more comfortable driving my car. And she had a big old Buick and I loaded it up and we found a hotel and for about three weeks, I, my grandmother and I spent time in Denver she and I shared a room until the weekend when my husband didn't have to be on the Air Force Base. And he and I had a room and we took my grandmother all over. We went to Royal Gorge. We went to Colorado Springs. We went to the, um, I think it's called Garden of the Gods. We drove all over, went to the Breckenridge Ski Resort. Um, we saw where Coors Brewery is. I mean, in those three weeks, we had a most wonderful honeymoon. Even though my grandmother said that she was a third wheel, it didn't matter. It was a lot of fun. So that is how my husband and I met. And here we are, 33 years later. So when we um, got back to 
our regular life, you know, we spent the first few years while he was in the Air Force in the Southwest and eventually settled down into our career fields. He drives um, big trucks and I'm a nurse. So we have lived in Wisconsin, New Mexico, Texas, and then eventually came back around to living in our hometown in Northern Michigan. So What's the secret of staying married 33 years? Well, I don't have any good tips or secrets. I think that it's really making a commitment and you work at it every single day. You know, because whenever I read um, funny, to me they're funny, about longevity with... um, People who live to be a hundred and some say, oh, you should drink um, a drink every day. And others say, I stayed away from alcohol, blah, blah, blah. Whatever works for your, a certain couple will work. And it has to be based on mutual respect and allowing each other to grow over your life. I mean, I am not exactly the same now as I was when I was 19. And thank goodness for that. So I have to say is that it's based on allowing each other to grow as a person, allowing each other to have things that they like and to pursue separate and then things that you like to pursue, pursue together. Like we both like football and I like sports. He likes Highland games. I enjoy Scottish culture. Those are things that he really enjoys. I like quilting, crafting, and creating. And we both love music and playing music. And we pursue things like that together. And, you know, it has worked for us because... We really, really, really deep down love and respect each other. So that is our little story on how we met and how long we've been married. And so if you are sitting here on a happy Valentine's Day, I hope that you reach out to all of the people in your life that you love. Because I really think Valentine's Day is way more than hearts and roses for people who are married, dating, or otherwise. Um truly it should be a daily reminder that we should treat each other and tell each other how much we love each other. So we're going to get into what have I been working on quilting. I have really been committed to my nerdy geeky side on following the high temperatures. I have been making my hexagon quilt and I have made five weeks. I'm caught up. I'm getting ready to prep the next seven for the temperatures of this last week. And what's really nice about it is it's a good thing to do in the evening. Um, When I get sick of knitting, it's something that I can watch TV and not have to really pay attention to super close like knitting with patterns. So I'm pretty excited about that. It also feeds into this nerdy geeky side is I love looking up all winter things like where are we at with the snowfall? Well in fact we are about 20% behind the average season which is about 140 inches it said and we are currently in the 80s approaching if not already they haven't updated it today. 
yesterday's snowfall of about 10 to 18 inches, depending on what part of the county you are at, um, we're still behind. And I know that, but it all came like a roaring lion after the first of the year. (laughs) And we're going to have an interesting winter. But it's also interesting is that the Great Lakes this week, they always do a check on how frozen they are. And quite honestly, I'm most concerned about Lake Michigan because as the storms come across, they usually come from Canada or from the West Coast and they come from West to East. Lake Michigan is where the big storm machines pick up the moisture from the lake and dump lake effect snow upon my little town. And in fact, Lake Michigan, as of last week, according to all of my research, is only about 27% frozen. Um, when Lake Michigan freezes over those winters, the snowfall usually is less because there's no moisture to pick up. It's all ice. This year, because of so much open water, we got nine inches of snow yesterday morning. Yeah, yesterday morning. In all of that research, I knew that a big storm was coming, but I still had to get to work and we had a lot of patients booked. And you know, this is the thing. When you work in healthcare, you have to get to work. We never close. But when there's a storm, not a lot of people come in or everyone comes in. It's just so weird. So it wound up being that a good chunk of people did come in to see their uh, provider. I got stuck in the car in the driveway before I even hit the sidewalk. I live in the city and um, I usually get stuck on the apron of the driveway and have my car hanging on the road because there's a big snowbank there to Baja over. There was only about two or three inches of snow when my husband left for work and between 5.30 and 8.30 because he goes to work at 5.30. There was so much snow, my car couldn't even get over the snow in the driveways, dragging the bottom of my Ford Flex all the way through. I knew it was going to be a long day. I called all my friends and no one else could get out of their driveway except one person. And she drives right by my house to go to work. She picked me up and I bummed a ride home. So then I get home last night and spend an hour Snow blowing the driveway because my husband, by now I know, is going to have a 12 or 13 hour work day when the weather's bad and they're still catching up from freight being behind. He works long days. <clears throat> so I, with my freshly healed rotator cuff and neck, and I went out there an hour of just blowing that. There were, I mean, there was snow up past my knees in most parts and drifts that went up to my hip. It was amazing. But I like snow blowing. Don't get me wrong. I really do like it on a day like that because it's in in the 20s. The wind wasn't horrible. It's kind of a zen therapeutic thing to do to run the snow blower. But I never did get that car unstuck. I had to wait till dark and he got home late and... He has a trick of dumping like pounds and pounds of ice melt around the tires. Some people use cat litter. Clean, of course. And he dug out the spots and dug and he had it out within a few minutes. But I couldn't have dug out the way he did. 
So hopefully today when I leave, um, as I will be going to work shortly, <laughs> I can back right out. We didn't get much more snow at night. So that was uh, the big excitement of the week was that we had another winter storm. And if I were a person that didn't have to work, it would be wonderful because I could stay home and hibernate. I will tell you, a decade, though, of my life was spent driving and trying to decide whether I wanted to drive from my hometown to the hospital over on Lake Michigan, which is about 45 miles one way. And that was very stressful. So I'm glad that I drive two miles to work. And I have to say, I didn't come home for lunch because I didn't have a ride and it was really too snowy. That was my excitement for the week, um, running the snowblower and getting my car unstuck, which let me have a nice time uh, snuggled under a quilt or two of working on my hexagon quilt in the evening. I am keeping up also with the hand-pieced quilt along. That's on Facebook as well as Kristen Esser's um, Simple Handmade Every Day um, blog as well as Elm, Elm, Elm Street Quilts. Um, they both are doing tutorials and posts. And I have to say, after watching all of the videos and reading all of the tutorials and blog posts, I finally figured out why I am having trouble not sewing through intersections and not having a big ugly thread hang out. I was going from this that you, you sew up to the seam and then you take a little back stitch and then you stick your needle through the seam and then you take a little back stitch and go all the way across, right? Well, I, instead of going straight through the seam on the same side, I was going down into the seam, crossing over to the back fabric, coming up and doing the back stitch. So I had these long, ugly threads. I'm like, well, duh. When I sewed through the seams, I had better results with all of my points and intersections without these big, ugly threads. So I asked um, Kristen, and you know, was, what what was I doing wrong? And she. She wanted me to video it and I never did, but then it was like a light bulb moment when I watched her kitchen table tutorial and I'm like, that's the problem. So I've got all of my pieces marked out for the hourglass block, which is this week's block. I'm going to be a little behind for the Thursday um, link up, but that's okay. I just want to get this done, you know, in a timely fashion because Next week is QuiltCon. I'm so excited. I have never been to QuiltCon. I've read about it. I've mooned in a broody way over the entire weekend and years past watching QuiltCon unfold on Instagram and social media. And for two years, seriously, I've been trying to get there. And usually something comes up like a massive car repair or... <clears throat> a renovation that runs over budget and all the money I had saved to go on this trip usually had to go towards something more adult-like. So this year to celebrate our anniversary and to pursue our individual passions, I am going to QuoteCon. We're going to spend a little bit of time together, you know, in the car on the way down and maybe do a couple things. Like I really want to go to the Parthenon, downtown Nashville. I've been to Nashville several times. I've never made it. I think it would be cool. And then he wants to, while I'm at the show, 
pursue some Civil War battlefields and history things, which I like too, but not to the extent that he does. And then he can spend a long time um, doing all of the plaques and reading and reviewing history and all that kind of stuff while I'm at the show. And I plan to eat some great barbecue and he and I will hang out. I'm looking at, I don't know where we're going to stay. He's looking at a few Airbnbs. And we are not going to stay probably in Nashville. We'll probably stay somewhere out in the suburbs or a little bit farther away. And I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm easily exhausted and overstimulated. I'm an introvert's introvert. So spending um, six to eight hours at the show will probably exhaust me. And then I'm also diabetic and there will come a point where I will need to take care of myself to keep my sugar stable and be able to do a good amount of walking. So that's why I'm being very careful because that shoulder and neck is healed up. My knee feels a little tweaked from all of this uh, compensating. And I think I'll be in good shape by the time QuiltCon gets here. I'm really excited. I don't have a quilt in the show and I don't care. The part of going is just being there with the Modern Quilt Guild. And there's lots of people I want to look up and see and chat and have a cuppa and walk the floor. And there's really only one or two vendors that I want to definitely stop and purchase some solid color fabric from and I'm hoping paintbrush studio has a nice booth which I'm thinking they will and I, you know the vendors people talk to me about the vendors as being like the highlights of the show for them and that's not for me I mean I go through and I look and I see what's new and upcoming and things like that but I am not a gadget tool person and I don't hoard fabric so that leads to the next section, which is about organizing. I'm, I'm really getting a good lead on my Marie Kondo slash Clutterbug slash Gretchen Rubin way of keeping my house um, cleaned up, tidied, and organized. So the renovation being done, all last weekend I spent time getting things set the way I want in the bathroom and kitchen. My crafty space my creative space does not hold my sewing machine I sew on the dining room table it has two Ikea calyx systems that are four cubicles by two cubicles and I have them up on end filled with bins and I have I'm down to six of those cubicle bins filled with fabric that's all I have it's still a stash but it's way more than enough for my quilting fabric. The rest of the bins are filled with things like my crafty supplies, yarn, um, tote bags, my knit sweaters and things, hats and scarves. I also have a couple of baskets in there filled with tools and I have some 31 bags that I put like my crafting doodling things and stuff. But what I have found, which totally and completely shocked me in my 50s, I learned, is that using these little bins that you can buy as drawer organizers really work. You can actually store probably three times the amount of stuff in these little bins in my drawers for things like beads and thread and pens and marking things like I have silver pencils and Frixion pens and organization 
having those little tiny boxes keeps it all contained. It's visible. I'm not digging and digging and digging through drawers. I even put a little organizing um, owl with a pocket in my hand sewing bag and that's kept that neat and tidy. Um, I, I'm really thrilled. Now, does that mean I, I have this losing thing habit? Does that mean I haven't lost things? Uh, no, <laughs> I lost a pair of scissors my lightweight black handled scissors and I found them yesterday in my hand sewing bag an external pocket now it's black and my sewing bag is black and I um yeah it blended in and I didn't see it I lost my hexagons that I my for my temperature quilt I put the little box that they're being stored in to keep them from getting damaged somewhere in my craft room in another bin and I put somehow or another other things got on top of it and I lost it for a while so I'm still trying to figure some of that out what will really help is that I need to put labels on the bins and labels on the um, slide out bins for the calyx system but I don't have a cricket yet and that will be determined after the QuiltCon trip I want a cricket maker so bad I need one, I want one, I covet one, I just am obsessed by getting one. So labels will help and I'm finding I'm upcycling little boxes that are very nice boxes and for things like my medication in my um, med cupboard and my first aid stuff and I, I just can't believe how well it works. So my next level is labeling. Ugh. I'm terrible at labeling, you know, terrible at labeling my quilts. I'm terrible at labeling my boxes and bins, but my hope as I get rolling along is to do both. Get some, they call it chalkboard labels and you can use a chalkboard marker or pen and then you can wipe it off and write new. I just heard about it. It sounds like magic. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I have three quilts to bind currently maybe four three or four quilts to bind and I have a plethora of quilts that need to be labeled and I have a plethora of labels that I could use I just need to do it and um, I don't know why I find labeling them so hard I know there's a billion ways I've tried them all I just I just don't like doing it and I think I think that I'm going to try a different method um, on these new three quilts I need to bind maybe putting it in the seam allowance of the binding once the whole thing's done me trying to hand applique it on sucks I'm just really bad at it I've tried using a Frixion not Frixion a Micron pen and writing a label but they usually are a disaster and don't um it washes out I mean I did that on my grandchildren's blanket blankets quilts strike me down I said blankets where is that Harry Potter meme zap on my granddaughter's quilts that my mother and I made in in our our um, pen washed off the the label so overall I'm struggling with labeling my quilts I have to say I need to come up with a better way to physically label them. I feel like they're well documented on my blog and Instagram. So, I mean, everyone knows I made them. And, of course, honestly, um, they're not heirloom pieces. And when I 
pass away, will they go to members of the family and will they give a rip as to who it was that made it and what time period and all that? I, I don't think so. There's nothing special about a lot of these quilts. So um, I still like to write little, the little quilt story and all that, but why labeling is so hard? It is for me. It just is. I guess we all have our thing we find difficult. <laughs> And I am still knitting very slowly on my Harry Potter Gryffindor scarf. I probably won't talk about that too much until I get past the halfway point. I'm 30% now. <laughs> and I haven't really been pursuing a whole lot of other um, crafty things. Um, just been cold, super cold in the house and drafty and dusty and dirty with the Renault and now it's clean and so my time might be able to shift to making some crafty things. So what's on my craft making docket? Well I want to macrame a new valence for my mudroom and make a real cute little um it'll it it's really based like a swag and you hang it on the knot on a rod or I might just um tack it to the the window frame itself and I want to get a Cricut yeah I really want one I want to do all kinds of things I'd like to try lots of stuff with the Cricut um, but other than that I haven't had a whole lot of other grand inspirations I do want to do more embroidery I have a jean jacket that I did a couple stitches on and I haven't picked that up in several months and I have several um, patterns in my craft room for hoop embroidery art and I'd like to get going maybe on one or two of those the good thing about embroidery is you can do it in hot weather because it's light and portable so I really am thinking I should work on the binding and labeling first so that's what I'm looking at for the quilty front and I also wanted to say next week I don't think I'm going to do a podcast because I'm going to be at quilt con and then I'll come home and think about it and do a full recap on my first time experience at going to QuiltCon and what I thought about the show, what I thought about everything about it. And being an individual member of the MQG, it's going to be interesting to see what the culture is of the Modern Quilt Guild. Because I've been on a committee or two and I was really hoping that we would have more connectedness um, via the online um community and it just doesn't seem to happen for me. Are you an individual member and have you found a way to connect with other individual members? Um, their website update didn't do what I was hoping it would do. It doesn't seem to be used very much and maybe just people just like to be a member and show up and connect at the party once a year at QuiltCon. I don't know. I'll give you a full report on that when I get back. And so the next podcast will be in two weeks. In the meantime, if you enjoy this podcast, um, please leave me a comment at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. I also have a button there if you'd like to buy me a cuppa. Um, you can certainly do that. It will help offset the cost of the podcast. And leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcast and I love to read the different reviews when I see them. I have a few out there on iTunes that have been there for a couple of years. And it'd be great to see how 
the comments about the podcast changed because I feel like I've gotten a little bit better and the sound quality has gotten a little bit better and I'm pretty happy with um, how that's going. But I want to hear about what you think. Is there anything that you would like me to check on while I'm at QuiltCon and give a report in next week's podcast? Let me know. I would love to hear from you on the show notes. Everybody have a phenomenal week and I really, really wish that winter would end so that I could go to QuiltCon without a blizzard next week. But we seem to be on a seven-day rotation. (laughs) And I'm hoping that Tuesday afternoon is when we want to leave. And we've been getting storms on Tuesdays. So stay tuned to see how the trip went. Quilt on, everyone.